Welcome to PCOM Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Feldstein, and today we're talking with Jason Walker, PhD, Associate Professor of Physiology at PCOM South Georgia. Dr. Walker serves on the Medical Education Center of Osteopathic Excellence as the Director of Student Progression and Off-Cycle Curriculum. In this role, he works with students across all three PCOM campuses to support them with their adjustment to the medical school course load. In addition to working with students toward academic success, he also conducts research on burnout in medical students and investigates the role of imposter syndrome in underrepresented minority medical students. Because of these efforts and his overall commitment to fostering a diverse medical school applicant pool, Dr. Walker was recognized as one of PCOM's inaugural diversity, equity, inclusion award recipients in 2021. Today, we'll be talking about burnout in medical students, what contributes to burnout, how to combat it, and what resources PCOM offers. Welcome to PCOM Perspectives, Dr. Walker. Thank you, glad to be here, glad to be here. So I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, number one, have you seen burnout affect PCOM students? Unfortunately, I have, and uh, it's not just PCOM students, I think it's, not a student that's going through medical school, whether it's osteopathic or allopathic, that is not going to experience some form of burnout throughout their uh, tenure as a medical student. But here at PCOM, I have seen it in students. Uh, it typically arises, uh, you know, I, during the middle of the first term, their first year, and you kind of see it go in different peaks and valleys throughout their tenure in the preclinical years, especially uh, you see a, a, a huge peak towards the end of the second year when students are uh, gearing up more towards the board exams, uh, your step one and your level one. So uh, those are some of the peaks and valleys that you see there. Uh, and then you see peaks and valleys again in the third and fourth year uh, that are very subtle. And this is not necessarily just due to exams, but this is due to uh, the rotations and the expectations and accountability from their preceptors uh, and the responsibility that they have now in the clinic or on those hospital settings. So what do you think, you know, are the major causes of burnout in medical students? I think you have to go back historically and look at uh, some of the work that was done by Frudenberg. Uh, when you're talking about burnout syndrome, that was like way back in the early 1970s. So when you were talking about Frudenberger, he actually gave us this general definition that just said a state of fatigue or frustration that results from like our relationships and the failure to produce the expected rewards. With our medical students, it's a dream to come to medical school, right? They, they go through all of these hoops, these obstacles, and make a ton of sacrifices to get here. And when they get here, uh, we often tell them, often share with the analogy that uh, it's like drinking water from a fire hose. Unfortunately, it's not drinking the water, water from one fire hose. It's usually drinking water from three fire hoses. I usually say you have the curriculum, uh, you have your personal life, and then the third fire hose is always the funnest because it's the unexpected life circumstances that takes place. And at any point in time, you're having to juggle drink, drinking water from those three fire hoses. So the medical student originally, you know, they're having to go through a curriculum and our curriculum is tough. Everybody's curriculum is tough because we're trying to compete 
We want our students to be competitive for these residency spots, these residency slots. As you know, uh, Dr. Feldstein, two years ago, um, we merged and we had the ACGME merger. So now we're in competition. We want our students to not only be the best, but actually get the best spots. And doing this, it starts from day one in medical school and they put a lot of stress on themselves as it relates to succeeding. Uh, the average debt for a medical student is anywhere from $300,000 to $400,000. So not only is the pressure on from what we bring in the curriculum, but the pressure is on from an outside circumstance of now I bought into it. I have these loans that I've taken out and there's no turning back. So I have to succeed. And here for students in South Georgia, other students from un underrepresented communities, you have that community surrounding you that says, hey, look, my child or my cousin or my friend is in medical school. They're going to be a doctor. So you have that stress that's added as well. So again, you have all of these stressors that are helping us actually uh, lead to the burnout that we see in medical students. So you know, as a researcher and someone who's very close to this, how do you differentiate burnout from just normal fatigue? Uh, that's a good question. Normal fatigue, actually, in actuality, you know, you can have it, you can suddenly get away from it. A lot of times they'll just tell you to do self-care, take care of yourself, right? Spend a couple of hours a day uh, taking a, you know, negating whatever is causing that fatigue. Let's say if you had a stressful day at work, get up earlier, work out, uh, make time for yourself throughout the day. Burnout is extended circumstance of fatigue. It's extended. I'll give you this analogy. Burnout is simply you're used to going 100 miles per hour. You can go 100 miles per hour in medical school, but we know it's not sustainable. So then you start to slow down because it's not sustainable. And when it's not sustainable, you're tired, that fatigue, but you have to keep going because the finish line is not there yet. So you can go 100 miles per hour from August to October in term one of year one, but you still have to make it from October to May or October to June. So burnout is simply an extended portion of fatigue. And it's one of those things that just can't be fixed with self-care. Uh, and I want to really highlight that, that a lot of people say, hey, you can fix burnout with self-care. That's actually placing the onus on that person that's going through burnout. It's not fixed through that because it's not caused by that person. It's caused by extenuating circumstances such as curriculum, such as those outside stresses. So with fatigue, again, we get fatigued and we can go back re-energize. With burnout, it's extended. Hence the reason why you see so much in medical school. I think it's anywhere from 60 to 70 percent of medical students go through some form of burnout. And then when you get into residency and you become a full blown physician, those numbers actually go up. So it keeps extending as you uh, progress through your medical career. And I'm going to ask you an, another question, which is actually more difficult as I sit here thinking about it. And I don't know whether you think about it. Where do you go from burnout to just full-blown depression where, you know, the students need a, a behavioral health referral because the burnout is now turned into actual depression that needs to be treated? I would say that one of the ways or 
where you go from there is actually when you look at the burnout in a person and you say, I just don't want to do this anymore. I wake up, I dread going to school, right? I dread going to school. I, I can't seem to find a way to study. I'm suffering from insomnia, right? Not getting any sleep. You need to start seeing a mental health counselor at this point or even prior to this point. Uh, we have the mental health resources here at PCOM. So at any point in time where the student starts to feel that exhaustion, right? And when I say exhaustion, not just the fatigue from a, a busy day, but it's this ongoing exhaustion that you feel day after day, week after week, you should probably make a, a, a actual appointment with the mental health counselors that we have on all three campuses for PCOM. If you don't think uh, our mental health counselors are suited for you, then make an appointment with the outside therapist and, you know, make sure you're able to talk with someone. Because if you do get those ongoing symptoms of exhaustion, burnout will turn to depression. When it turns into depression, Dr. Feldstein, then that's when we get into those suicidal rates and those suicidal ideations that we see in medical students that uh, we often try to shy away from. So we don't want it to get to that point. Um, you can take uh, the well-being index that's offered by the Mayo Clinic. Uh, they have some of those for free that actually allows the student to actually take a test every week to kind of look at whether burnout is in relationship to us, excuse me, other medical students throughout the nation. It kind of lets them see, okay, a temperature check. This is where I'm at this week. All right, I'm feeling exhausted, but now I'm feeling this over this sense of, I don't want to do anything. Uh, I'm just stuck. I don't want to move. I'm stuck in the mud. Then you really need to press the button and go ahead and get that appointment with a mental health uh, counselor or with a therapist of your choice. So I know, you know, obviously, you know, South Georgia's new campus, but you've been teaching medical students for a while. So over the years, one, have you seen an increase in the burnout rate? And two, I would imagine, and I'm curious to your opinion, I think COVID has also been a tremendous contributor to burnout because of the lack of social support systems that you get when you're on campus and face-to-face -face with your peer groups. So I'm just curious, what's your take on those two issues? So first, first issue, do I see an increase in the prevalence of burnout in medical students? Absolutely, even prior to COVID. Uh, you have to think about it as we're getting more and more competitive in undergraduate medical education in order to transition to graduate medical education, meaning getting those residency slots and the specialty that you want. Students are faced with more and more information that they have to know. Um, the prevalence of burnout can be looked at, look at our boards, uh, look at step one, level one. They move to pass fail. Now, everybody has a different reason or rationale of why they moved to pass fail, but a lot of this was to, uh, from the student's perspective, to not put a numerical value on those board exams to kind of lessen the anxiety, right? But again, as we're becoming more competitive, not just osteopathic, allopathic, and the slots are not necessarily increasing, we see more and more students that are suffering from that because they have all of these resources to study from and the grades, they matter. The, the COMAT exams, the, the board exams, all of these things matter. So again, 
that's the increase in the prevalence of burnout. And you will see that year after year after year. Plus, when you look at the medical school curriculum, not just PCOM, but nationwide, the curriculum is actually increasing to the point where you have this uh, term curriculum creep and you have the hidden curriculum as well that goes on. As relationship to your second question with COVID, absolutely. COVID actually exponentially increased the amount of burnout because no longer were you able to go and talk with your friends, have those group settings in where you're able to just eat lunch with someone, be able to talk about uh, whether it's sports, whether it's uh, a movie, whether it's a show, whether it's somebody's kids, whatever it was to take your mind away from school. When we were in those virtual settings for COVID in South Georgia, I know we did something a little bit different because we're smaller. We actually deployed our faculty to actually reach out to their advisees on a weekly basis to kind of do a check-in. And when I say check-in, we were making sure, hey, look, send the email. If we needed to, a virtual meeting, um, I know we encourage the students to safe distance and wear their mask. You can wear your mask and safe distance and walk on the trail that we have here in Moultrie just to be able to get outside and be able to see someone that looks like you in medical school that's a part of your class. Um, but absolutely, going through COVID showed us how much we are social creatures. We can say we want to go home and we want to get away from the world for uh, a couple of hours, but for uh, an extended period of time, we all started to see it, not just from the students per se, but from the faculty and staff as well. And there's research that has shown that uh, that actually bleeds over. If faculty and staff are showing symptoms of burnout, it actually bleeds and transfers over to the students to where they can feel it and it becomes palpable to them as well. So when you're advising a student, you know, who believe that they have burnout, what, what advice or resources can be offered through PCOM? One, uh, again, we have counselors on all three campuses. That's one. But let's say you, uh, not everybody is up to going to see a counselor, all right? There's still, believe it or not, in the year of 2022, there's still stigma associated with going to see a mental health uh, professional. Um, but everybody has a smartphone. Uh, there's an app that I really, really like for students to use. It's called Headspace. And this Headspace app, I think going through PCOM, we get a, a pretty deep discount with it. It encourages students to take time to meditate, to focus, to sleep, all of these different things throughout your day. So you can kind of focus it how you need to focus it. Uh, I have it on my phone. Uh, some days you just need to take five minutes for yourself throughout the day and meditate, right? Uh, the Office of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion, if you've seen the emails recently, they have an open house for the meditation rooms on all three campuses making sure that you can go in and use those meditation rooms and just get some solace, have some quiet space, all right? Have some time to actually focus, gather your thoughts. The other thing is that, as I told you earlier, a lot of people say self-care. When I Self-care isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you have to be intentional. What I mean by being intentional about this is exercising. Uh, it's also shown to promote the increase of neurotransmitters such as serotonin, right? So if we can get our serotonin levels back up, 
again, that will throw it off uh, depression and things of that nature. So exercise has been shown to do that. Just a simple brisk walk, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, recharging yourself, getting away from the books for an hour, hour and a half, doing something that you like, whether it's painting, listening to music, writing music, uh, watching Netflix, talking to family, cooking, things of that nature. Anything that's going to help you recharge and maybe stay away from the books for an hour, that's going to help. But in totality, I will say all of these things will help. But the number one thing is to make sure that you reach out and you talk to somebody. All right. We have these mental health professionals on all three campuses. We can utilize their services or uh, one of the things we've done in the past with our second year students at a previous institution was that we did groups during the lunchtime hour, maybe twice a month, in which the groups could come together. We would put the phones in a Ziploc bag so nobody had phones, and we would just talk for an hour while we ate about different things that were bothering people. This was shown to actually decrease uh, burnout, and we utilized uh, the Maslach burnout survey, if you're familiar with that. It's the gold standard for measuring burnout. It actually decreased burnout in the second years, especially when they were going towards studying for their boards. Just being in a small group of 45 people, four to five people, and talking about different societal issues or what's going on, what's bothering you, allowing them to vent and say, hey, look, uh, maybe Dr. Walker, your, your, your exam questions were too hard. I hated you for that, so on and so forth. But it was a non-judgmental zone. And believe it or not, that went uh that worked wonders for the burnout in students. So great conversation. I'm sure you've got a couple of questions for me. Absolutely. So as a former medical student and a former practicing physician, have you ever been affected by burnout, Dr. Felstein? Uh, I can honestly say part of the reason that I'm here as president of PCOM is because I burned out as an emergency room physician. That sent me on a different career path. After about 10 years working in an ER at a level one trauma center, I basically burned out. I got to the point where I dreaded going to work. I dreaded seeing patients. I didn't want to go to the ER and I felt basically trapped. And it's because of that, that that caused me to seek alternative career paths, which is what I did. And through that serendipitous path ended up here because between the shift work, the loss of control when you work in the ER, you never know what's coming in the door. And, and the pressure, it was like 10 years was enough. And that sought me to seek a, a career change. So I definitely am a living example of experiencing a career burnout in emergency medicine, which at that time and still today has one of the highest burnout rates in, in medicine. So kind of to piggyback off of that, was there one final straw that just pushed you and said, hey, I need for you to, I need to go? Or was it just something that was mounting up from years one through 10? No, you, it, uh, I think years one through five were fine. Six and seven were good. But the last few years, it was just a culmination. Um, and, you know, when you change shift work, when you're going from seven to three or three to 11 or 11 to seven, you know, that's got some physiologic changes. Also where I was in my own life with kids, 
with a young family. And I just found myself, you know, getting irritable at work. And, you know, when you start to get angry at patients, it, it's not their fault. That's when I kind of knew it was time for a change. So how can myself as a faculty member and staff, how can we support our students who are going through this burnout as medical students and as future physicians? Well, I, I think part of it is to actually tell them that to a large degree, they're not alone and that it's, it's almost a normal reaction to what they're experiencing and that they can get through it and that everybody at some point in time in their medical career training is going to feel fatigued, stressed out, and possibly burn out. But it's not a fatal condition. It's reversible and treatable. And that to just seek early help. And I think one of the most significant treatments, quote unquote, is what you described, Jason, that group setting, is having a really good supportive peer group. Because it's, it's very difficult to get through medical school alone. You need a peer group because that becomes your support group. And, you know, I think that's key to success in medical schools, the socialization and support groups. And I'm a firm believer that COVID actually is a big driver right now. And what we're seeing, because most of the students had it in their third or fourth year of undergraduate. And then as a carryover to this new environment with a tremendous amount of information Lack of socialization is really helped, you know, driving the mental health issues as well as burnout. When you were actually going through medical school and you were practicing, was burnout talked about at all? Was it or was it a stigmatized like you didn't speak of? It, it was there really wasn't any talk of burnout in medical school. Nobody talked about burnout. We talked about being stressed out. We talked about being fatigued. You know, we talked about like hitting the wall in the winter doldrums, you know, of the first year and a little bit in the second year. But the pressure on boards didn't exist, you know, when I went to school. It just did. It was just like another test that you really didn't worry about because, you know, at that time there was only uh, eight DO schools. There wasn't the pressure on GME that there is today. So it really wasn't, you know, we didn't have that component of it. And uh, there really wasn't an issue of burnout. Now, it was talked about in medicine, actually, you know, I guess five to 10 years in to my emergency medicine career, that became a big topic, just about burnout for all, you know, physicians whether it be emergency medicine, anesthesiologist, whatever the specialty was. That's when it really became an issue, I would say, in the early to mid-90s, when people started talking about professional burnout. So, Dr. Felstein, what advice would you give to students who are facing these mental health struggles here at PCOM? I mean, it's, it's kind of the same advice I've been given for the last eight years during orientation. Get help early. You know, when you're starting to feel that way, don't wait till the end of the semester when you failed three classes. You know, two, three, four weeks in, you're struggling, you know, quizzes aren't going right, you're having some issues, get help early. Don't be embarrassed. It's more, you know, go get help early. Everybody's here to support you. 
We have a vested interest in every single student succeeding. We want you to succeed as much as you do. And we're here to support you through it. And there's no stigma, no teacher is going to look down on you. You know, we're here to help people get through and not only survive, but thrive. I mean, you know, medical school is hard. It's hard on purpose. It's a lot to learn, but you're gonna be learning your entire life. You know, we want people to be lifelong learners and we want you to learn because you love medicine. And, and it's a shame that things have become so test focused because it kind of puts the damper on just the joy of learning medicine, which is hopefully why everybody's here. So that's the number one, get help, seek advice, seek counseling early. Don't wait till it's too late. I would agree with that. That's pretty much all the only questions I have for you, Dr. Feldstein. I would like to acknowledge that, you know, this is as we go through medical school, as we are, you know, we have our administration such as yourself, we have faculty such as myself. Uh, we're we're very, very in touch with trying to make sure that students take care of their mental health. And again, we're we're trying to put the onus on ourselves first to look at all aspects of what PCOM is doing curriculum wise and things of this nature. But again, I want to applaud you, Dr. Feldstein, because as I said earlier, a lot of schools don't have meditation rooms. A lot of schools don't have the resources that we have. So again, that shows that we're trying to be invested in our students' well-being. So uh, kudos to you and the rest of the administration for uh, trying to take the steps in the right direction. Well, kudos to you, Jason, and faculty like yourself that are really committed to student mental health and student success. Because at the end of the day, that's we all want the same thing, which is successful physicians that can take care of patients and be great osteopathic physicians out in their community. So again, Jason, Dr. Walker, thank you for joining us today. PCOM works hard every day to develop future healthcare professionals. For our students to be successful, it is imperative that we address and support the issues they face during their educational years. That's why we invest our resources in student academic support and mental health counseling. It's our belief that student success is paramount to the future of health. I'm Jay Feldstein, and this has been PCOM Perspectives.